we are talking about turn your setbacks into comebacks. Turn your setbacks into comebacks. So we just got to deal with some things first. We got to look at some key words and what they mean. So the word set, right? So we're talking about turn your setback. So that basically is true. It's a compound word. We're going to look at these words. Set means to put, to lay, or stand something in a specified place or position. So you to put, lay, or stand something in a specific or specified place or position. It's set. It's there. It's locked in. Right? That's set. Now, the word back, it means towards the rear, in the opposite direction from the one that a person is facing or traveling. So that, therefore, you automatically pick up that progress is not being made. You Instead of progressing, you are digressing. Digressing. Right? But I want to tell you tonight, and I emphasize the word digressing, because sometimes we feel like that's what's happening. When things aren't going our way, we feel like it's all over. We think it's death. We think that everything is coming to an end. Not so. Not so. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's keep going. So the word setback, right? So we know what the word set means. We know what the word back means. So collectively, what do these two words, when they're put together, what does that mean? And it means a reversal in progress. So if you're experiencing a setback, it's a reversal in your progress. It's a reversal in your progress, meaning you are making gains. You are running a good race. What easily besets you? A setback. A setback. But the beautiful thing about a setback is that it can be turned into a comeback. Let's keep going. Those of us who are not into mechanics and automobiles, that's fine. But there's something I want to point out to you, right? What sometimes what we consider to be a setback is actually a setup for a comeback, right? Now, if you look at the picture, you're going to see that these two wheels are off. They're offline, right? One wheel set back further than the other. Some of us say, oh, why is that? That's not good. But sometimes a setback actually gets you onto the path and has you, uh, has you able to steer with more control when they are not at the same point. Hmm. This is done by the manufacturer, or it can happen at the time of a collision, right? Now, if you have a normal setback of a one inch, that will cause no problems other than the steering wheel misalignment when using some types of alignment or equipment. Now, what am I talking about? If you have a setback of any kind, it means that you're not going in line the way you are supposed to be going. A setback. It's throwing you off. Throwing you off. It's throwing you off. Now, never view yourself through the lens of a moment. This is not scriptural. This is just a quote from someone by the name of Tom Billy. Never view yourself through the lens of a moment. Because it's temporary, right? Don't make a permanent decision 
because of a temporary situation. We do it all the time though. Sometimes we make permanent decisions based off of temporary circumstances. Ought not to be so. A temporary circumstance is exactly that. Temporary. It's going to change. It's not going to be here that long. But look, there's a difference between a setback and a failure, right? Now, a setback, you made a mistake. You got distracted. You were exhausted. You lost your willpower. You caved into pressure. You scheduled, the schedule got messed up, right? Now, a failure, in contrast, you decided that being healthy wasn't worth the effort, so you just gave up. That's an example, right? But look what happened. With a setback, you keep going one day at a time, whereas with failure, it's over because you gave up. Setback versus failure. Temporary condition, setback. But you made a setback into something permanent because you failed to continue, you gave up. Look at this picture and look at it closely. The moment you're ready to quit, the moment you re you're ready to quit is usually the moment right before a miracle happens, right? The moment you're ready to quit, if you notice this person at the bottom was right there. Now the person at the top, the way he looks is like he's gonna just keep going until he finds it. But you don't know how long what the bottom was going. Frustration, you feel like you're not getting anywhere. You feel like you're just digging and plotting. You feel like you're not making any headway. You never know how close you are, never give up. Don't allow your temporary setbacks to become failures. Now, I need to talk to us about Judas, this guy Judas. Judas is scary. I need to talk to us about Judas. I need to talk to us about Judas. Because we're going to talk about Judas in a way where people have not normally talked about him. Because as soon as people hear the name Judas, you think the scum of the earth. But let me tell you something. Not entirely. Not entirely. There are 10 facts that we want to consider about this guy, Judas, right? 10 facts. And what are they? Number one, he was personally chosen to be an apostle by Jesus Christ. Personally chosen. He forsook all to follow the Lord. Give up everything. That was the command. Give up everything and follow me. He did that. He did that. Number three, he spent three and a half years traveling the length and breadth of Israel with Christ. He saw Jesus Christ's ministry from beginning right up until that last moment before he committed suicide. Number four, he saw the miracles of Christ in person. We're reading about them, but he was right there. He heard Christ give his famous discourses and or sermons and or admonitions or exhortations. He saw them all. He watched as Christ healed the sick, raised from the dead and cast out demons. He saw it. He along with the other apostles was sent out to preach the gospel. He was with them. He was one of the leaders of the apostolic band. 
can't talk about the original 12 and not mention Judas. Number nine, no one ever suspected him of treason. He didn't see it coming. Number 10, he was trusted to handle the money. If they thought he was a thief, if they knew that he was a thief, and they had put him in charge of the money, nobody saw what was happening. Nobody knew what was about to happen in terms of the betrayal of Christ. Nobody saw it coming. But these 10 facts show you that he was a person that was functioning in the order and in the obedience of God. How about that? How about that? Now, let's look. Judas hangs himself, Matthew chapter 27. And again, for the purposes of time, I can't go through that scripture. You can go back and you can read it for yourself. Judas hangs himself, Matthew chapter 27. Now, did he have to hang himself? Yes. Did he betray Jesus? He absolutely did. That's a setback. Because we, if you want to be honest, in our present day, in our present condition, every time we sin, we are betraying Jesus ourselves. The Word of God tells us that every time we sin, we are crucifying Jesus Christ afresh. So then, every time we sin, we are crucifying him. We are also having a setback. But are we committing suicide because we lied? No. Are we committing suicide because we commit adultery? No. Fornication? No. Stealing? No. So then what's the issue? The issue is there are points in time where we don't recognize that God died for all of our sins and iniquity and transgression. We only need to repent of them. Don't allow a temporary setback to become a failure. But God forbid you should fall. We need to turn that setback by the grace and mercies of God into a comeback. Now, I'm going to ask you some questions that you're going to ask yourself. You don't answer me, but you're going to answer yourself. What would you trade Jesus for? Would you betray him for money? Would you betray him for a better job? Would you betray him to keep the job you have? Would you betray him to save your own skin? Would you betray him for fame and popularity? Would you betray him for power? Would you betray him for a new car? Would you betray him for a million dollars? Would you betray him to find a husband or a wife? Would you betray him because he didn't live up to your expectations? Would you betray him because you thought he let you down? Would you betray him if you thought you could win the favor of importance? There may be something you will betray him for that I didn't put on this list, but you're getting the point. What is there on this earth that you are willing to betray God for? And if you can think of something that you can betray God for, I want to tell you just one thing. 
What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but then lose his soul? You can't let a temporary setback stop you from making that comeback. You cannot do it. How much is your salvation worth to you? Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And when he recognized that he actually betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, he wanted to return it. The members of the Sanhedrin said, no. A deal is a deal is a deal is a deal. So they gave the money back to him. So what he did, he took the money, he threw it in a field, and now to that field to this day is known as Potter's Field, and that is the field that he hung himself in. 30 pieces of silver. That's what he betrayed Jesus for, and he never got to spend a thing of it. But I want to show you something else. So that was Judas. Judas committed a was that committed in a situation that can be considered a setback. So now I'm going to show you another person that had a setback. But the difference between Judas and this person, the prodigal son, is that one didn't allow the setback to stop the comeback. One used the setback to actually come back. And let's see what happens. We all know this story. We've heard it a million different times. We heard it a million different times, right? The father sees the son afar off. He doesn't even wait for the son to get close. He runs out to the son. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's look at this, right? So, Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32 says, I'm not going to read all of them just for the sake of time, like I said. And he said, there, is, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when, but when, he came to himself, other verses of scripture say, other, other verses rather, say when he came to his senses, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's highest servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned 
against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son, but the father. Now, before I go any further, one thing I have to bring to your attention, when a son asks the parent in this time, this language, and this culture, TLC, when a son asks the father for the inheritance while the father is still alive, the message that's being conveyed from son to father is the son is telling the father, you are dead to me. That was the insult of insult between father and son in that day, that age, that time. So he committed the most egregious sin in his father's eyes by telling him, you're dead to me, so give me my inheritance now. Because typically an inheritance is given when? When there's a death. Right? So now it gives even further context to the great love the father had for his son. Verse 22, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the beast, sorry, the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. But this, my son was dead. And that's another thing. When your son leaves without getting to the place where they can assume your role as the father, the father now considered the son dead. So they did it to each other. The son basically told the father, you're dead to me. And then when, as soon as the son left, he said, my son is dead. But to God be the glory and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now, I'm not going to read these scriptures because it's not pertinent to the story. Except I'm going to jump all the way down to verse 32, the last verse at the bottom. It says, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The prodigal son. We all know one, have been one, or are waiting for one to come home. This is a fact. This is a fact. Micah chapter 7 verse 19 he will turn again he will have compassion upon us he will subdue our iniquities and though sorry and thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea Romans chapter 2 verse 4 for despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee The Lord and Savior, Savior meaning a rescuer, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the God of the second chance, the God of the comeback, the God of restoration, you name it. Yes, he's that for us. A comeback, by definition, a comeback is a return to the activity in which they have formerly been successful. Blessed be the name of the Lord. A return to the activity in which they have formerly been successful. That is a comeback. You were there. 
So come back. Come home. Come back. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Jesus told the story of the, the prodigal son to make a point. And what was the point? Never mind what you've done. Just come home. Brother Bolson preached this message recently. Right? Just come home. When something bad happens, you have three choices. You can either let it define you, you can let it destroy you, or you can let it strengthen you. It's your choice. It's your choice. Romans 8 verse 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword don't let your setback stop you from coming back. Don't do it. It's not good. It's not good. What is advocacy? Right? What is advocacy? Advocacy is basically petitioning on behalf of someone or something. The answer, John, 1 John, 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 2 says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. If we sin, we have an advocate in the Father. We have an advocate in the Father. Don't allow your setbacks to stop your comeback. Don't do what Judas did. If Judas had repented for betraying Jesus, if Judas had repented of betraying the Son of God, he would have been forgiven. As wicked, as evil as that may sound, betraying Jesus would have been forgiven. He allowed his setback to become a failure. Don't forget, Judas was called among the 12, handpicked by Jesus. The call, we've been talking about the call. Judas was one that was called. You know, we, we, we have been talking about the call and many are called, but the chosen are few. What separates the cause from the chosen? The chosen actually do what is necessary to be chosen. That's the difference. The call is made, but not everyone is going to do what's necessary to be chosen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. My time is coming to an end. So let me just get to the end of this. Question, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace may multiply? No, absolutely not. If you have a setback, the goal isn't to continue with the setback. The goal is to come back. Don't continue with the problem. If you if you told a lie, repent of the lie and keep going back to God. But if you lie, don't keep on lying because the more you lie, you're moving further and further away from God. And the further and further you move away from God is the closer and closer you're becoming to the adversary. 
And the closer and closer you get to the adversary, the only thing you're getting closer to, in essence, is hell. For every setback is a setup for a comeback. That's the lesson for tonight. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Don't allow, don't allow your setbacks to stop your comebacks. Don't allow your setbacks to become failures. Don't allow your setbacks to separate you from the love of God. Judas is the perfect example of how you can allow a setback to stop your comeback. And the prodigal son is the perfect example of how you turn your, set, sorry, your setback into a comeback. Because the moment we come back, the Father is there waiting for us with arms wide open.